Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Turn with me, and we're going to start in Exodus, the 24th chapter now, the, the Everlasting Covenant. You know, as we opened up last night and laid the groundwork for this thing, the excitement, the excitement of understanding that maybe there's a chance, maybe there is a great chance for us to be, I'm going to lower this mic just about that for Maybe there's a great chance for us to to enter in and be part of this same covenant that, bless God, that, that, that Moses was involved in, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was involved in. Madonna says to pull it back up a little ways. Huh? Oh, okay. Uh, is that right? Yes, sir. There's another one. That's three for you this morning already, right? <laughs> I told her if they didn't, they were having such a good time at their table. I said we were all going to have to. Everybody's going to end up at her table because they were having a lot better time at her table than they were having at my table. I said something, something seemed to be right, and so I quickly found out that uh, that's the way it was going to be. So <laughs> let it be. She said, "Well, I've got to get my minister time in because I don't think you're going to let, let me have any this weekend." So have at it, darling. Amen. Okay, Exodus 24, the first verse, it says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto, up and, up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, uh, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone, second verse, shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Now, what did they do? They had now made a covenant. They had, in other words, God gave them the covenant. Now, they had now signed the covenant. They had now come into the covenant. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings, sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And the Lord took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood and sprinkled it uh, on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read the, the audience, to the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. Now, you know, that's quite, that is quite a statement, isn't it? All that he, and we'll do. And the eighth verse says, And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Now, uh, the confirmation, in other words, they had to agree. When, when you go to, often, uh, when you buy a home, even in the contract, it will say, this covenant has been made between you and the, this lending institution. In order for that covenant to be activated, you have to agree to it, and so do they. So both parties have to agree. Now, what, 
what the Lord uh, has done. He gave the covenant. He said, now here is going to be the covenant. Here's the rules to this covenant. Isn't that sort of like it was when we, when we bought our first home or bought a home or bought a car? Now, now we're going to make you this loan to your home, and here's the rules to it. Now, every month there's going to be this X amount of dollars that you're going to pay in on whatever day it will be of the month, and, and you're going to know that if you fall behind, there's going to be an interest uh, uh, a payment, a penalty that you're going to have to pay. If you don't pay for the house in time, obviously we're going to come and repossess the house. That is a covenant, but there has to be two sides to it because once the, the, once the rules was brought as to what you were about to buy, then along came you, and you read it over, and you said, okay, I, I'll agree to that. And the guy said, oh, that's not good enough. You sign your name to this paper here. So you signed your, your John Henry to the paper. Now you and that lending institution have now entered into a covenant. He made promises, or they made promises, but they told you within that what was going to happen if you did it right. And they also told you what it was going to happen if you, what was going to happen if you did it wrong. God works the same way. In fact, God instituted the covenant. Okay, no matter, no matter what goes on. I, I remember being kids when we used to, we used to prick our fingers and, and you know, today, boy, moms would go, don't you dare mix your blood with, say, your, that kid next door, you know. Uh, but that, we did those things back then. Let's make this covenant that we'll keep this secret, that we don't go down to the Joneses and steal apples until it's time. And, you know, <laughs> you said, you didn't make covenants like that. Oh, I'm afraid we did, you know. But you see, we made an agreement. And, there, and there's always stipulations to the agreement, and there's always penalties to the agreement. And there's always, bless God, what the other side of it, there's always a being blessed if you keep the agreement. You know, everything goes well with the bank and that house loan until you don't make the payments. You're the best friend at the bank, aren't you? Okay? <laughs> I know a little bit about something being on the other side of that one, too. And probably most of you do. Once, once that happens, all of a sudden those good, friendly people are saying, Look, you're going to have to, you know, we're going to charge you interest here on this. You're saying, oh, yeah, I know, but, I, you know, I mean, give me a break. No, no, that is the contract. That's the covenant. Now, that sounds hard, but you see, with God's covenant, it, it isn't any different. And, and, and when the people said there, you, you know, that, yes, that we'll do all this written, we'll do all this written, all that Moses has talked about, yes, we're going to do. Let's go to Exodus 31. Exodus 31, starting in the 12th verse there. It said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath she shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. So now what's the Sabbath all about? It is a covenant, and it shows that, bless God, that, 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 that uh, the Lord God is, has sanctified you. As what? As being one of his children. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it surely shall be put to death. Boy, I'll tell you what, that would have kept the Sabbath in place, wouldn't it? What if that went through the church tomorrow morning? Ho, oh, oh, ho, be a lot of dead people, wouldn't it? Oh, but we, uh, but we have made uh, Sunday our Sabbath. You know what you, now listen, if you could hear God say, but I am the maker of the covenant. I sanctified not a Sunday Sabbath, Sabbath. I sanctified Friday night at sundown, Sunday night at sundown. Saturday night, I'm sorry, at sundown. 
That's what I, that's the rule that I made. That was, the, now listen, and that is what you agreed to. You say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. I didn't agree to that. If you come into, if you come into Israel, all right, as a child of God, then you are a partaker of that covenant. Now we're going to go, we're going to take this thing deeper uh, as uh, the weekend progresses here. But right now, I want you to understand that when you became a Christian and you took on the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, you have now entered into saying yes. I agree with what they said back there in Moses' day. As the Lord has said to Moses, so shall we do. And what the Lord is saying here is, He said, "Look, the covenant here is going to cover. It's going to cover Sabbath, Shabbat." And He said, "If they don't keep it, just take them out and and kill them." You go, "What? Wow!" Now wait a minute. Didn't I say that there was penalties that went with the covenant? Now, folks, I realize, and I'm always saying this: say, "Thank God for mercy," because let me tell you something. Number one, you couldn't get away with that now. Everybody would be in prison, right? Because the world doesn't understand the things of God. But on the other hand, you realize that because you can't be put to death physically because you don't keep the Sabbath, then the Lord God has brought penalties, and there's a stronger word for this, curses that come upon us because we have broken that covenant. We have broken it. You see, sometimes we get to believe in that we can coerce God into doing whatever we want God to do. And no, you can't. You can't change. Did, did you ever try to call the bank and say, uh, Mr. Banker, now I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I want to change this covenant. I don't think this covenant's fair, and I think you're charging me too much interest, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you one thing, the payments are way too high, and I'm going to change the payments on that. You ever try doing that? Well, you know you can't. Now, the reason I want to use this, because talking about bank and financing, you live there today, all right? It's, it's not uh, all that well-known about the covenant of God, and the way y'all, they brought this thing down, and it's very less known about these curses or these penalties that bless God that come when you don't do what God has said to do when you entered in. Now, let me tell you why you entered into the covenant. You become a Christian. And you believe that you've got everything was now that God had to offer. What are you really saying? God, we receive all the covenant. Now, most of the church doesn't have the foggiest idea what they said when they said that. They don't have the foggiest idea to it. They just believe that now, you know, we got Jesus. We can do whatever we want to do. we got this Sunday Sabbath. We don't act like the Jews. And, uh, you know, and, and we don't look to see what we ought to do if we kept Sabbath. Because, after all, if we were going to keep Sabbath, there's certain things you have to do. Well, we're not going to do those certain things because, I mean, after all, uh, Sabbath's the only day I got to go to Wally World and spend all my money. So I have to buy and be able to buy things on Sabbath because that's the big yard sale day, you know? But you see, you call the bank, but the bank's not changing the rules. Can you understand what I'm saying? Every once in a while, I just do this, and I know we're, we're all awake and we're, we're on the same page here. The bank's still not going to change the rules. What what God has done is what God said He would do. There are there are great blessings that will come from God if, in fact, we begin to adhere unto what God is saying to do now. And and so He said here, and He said He said uh, He said take them out, and He said bless God, take them out and do what? He said take them out and 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 kill them. Um, let me see, put them to death. For whosoever doth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may 
may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. There he said it again. He'll be put to death. Now, I want to stop for a moment, and I want to talk to you a, a little bit about legalism in relationship unto the Lord God. Legalism is easy to get into. Most of the Jewish community today live in, lives in legalism alone. A few today, even within the Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox are still living according to Torah, but the Orthodox people, uh, even they have gotten themselves to the place where they have made up a lot of their own rules now. Now, we begin to, to watch and, and understand what work is but uh, on, on Sabbath. Now, it would be going out and, bless God, uh, pulling the tomatoes. Uh, would that be considered work on Sabbath? Yes. Would mowing the yard be uh, work on Sabbath? Yes. Would uh, mechanicing on your car be work on Sabbath? Yes. Now, Yeshua came along and he said that if, in fact, the, do the ox has fallen on the ditch in the ditch on Sabbath, pull the ox out of the ditch. What was he saying there? What was, what was he? He was trying to bring balance to what the Father had said. See, again, we go to seed with things. Some of us, bless God, get so legalistic about this thing that if you're not careful, you'll get into the thing with the, with the orthodoxy where you won't turn the switch because it ignites a, a, a spark and that's considered a fire and you're to kindle no fire so you can't turn on the lights. You say, oh, does it get that bad? Oh, it gets worse than that. But what I want you to understand is that if, in fact, you have a job to go to on Sunday evening, okay, uh, and bless God, your car is broken down, and the only time you can get parts, and the only time it has suddenly broke down, and the only time you can get parts, the only time that you can, bless God, work on it and get to work on time is, bless God, to do it on Sabbath. Well, I'm not going to work on Sabbath and defile Sabbath. Now, listen closely. Pull the ox out of the ditch. Can you understand? Can you understand the difference in that? And 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 and, and folks, that isn't something that become become. You know, if you'll read and study, you'll find out even even when they went out and gathered 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 sticks and 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 and, and did anything on Sabbath, they were put to death during that time and, and that hour. But the fact of it is. God must have been awful, awful, awful adamant, and it must have been awful, awful, awful important that his people keep Shabbat. It had to be, folks. As I said, as I read to you in that 20th chapter, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Never anywhere else does he said remember in those commandments, those Ten Commandments, except right there. Remember the Sabbath. Don't forget the Sabbath. I have said over and over and over for years and years and years, if you're not going to keep any of the festivals, if you're not going to keep New Moon, Rosh then the thing for you to do is to keep Sabbath. Do that, because Sabbath will open doors up for you and bring blessings to you. Now, I realize the rest of it will bring curses down upon you, but if I was going to have to just take one of them and just do one, I, I would tell you to do Sabbath. It's that important. Now, let's go on, because he says, now listen, in this next in this 16th verse, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. 
So is the Sabbath part of the covenant? Absolutely. Now, what does the word perpetual mean? Ongoing throughout the ages to the end of time. There is no end to Shabbat. There is no end. It will be there. It is a sign. Now, listen to 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he, uh, day he rested and was refreshed. Now, it's really something to understand when he said it's a, sign, it's a sign between us. When you keep Sabbath, it's a sign that you belong to me. That's what the Lord is saying. And he said, this will be forever under my children. And what now, now listen, when you're in the Sabbath, and we talked about uh, last night about coming to a point in time and saying, Lord God, remember the covenant? When, 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 when would be a good time to remind the Lord uh, it, about the covenant if you're kind of in a bind with things? Wouldn't be a bad time to do it on the Sabbath, would it? Because he says, why? He said, you'll keep my Sabbath forever because it is a perpetual, it is a perpetual covenant unto me and you. So there are, within the covenant, there are covenants, okay? And there are different laws. There's different things that God gave, blessings, that, that we, if, if we will just keep, we can receive. And, you know, I have said over and over and over for years, if people will understand there's some automatic things that God commands us to do, that if you'll do, we'll bring blessings and bless you immediately. I know people that are uh, newborn uh, Christians come to me often and say, well, what's the first thing I should do? And I said, the first thing you should do is get yourself into a good a good fellowship that teaches the balance of God's Word. I said, that's the first thing I'd do. I said, the second thing I would do, I would study and learn how to receive the automatic offerings that come through tithes and offerings. Those are automatic blessings. But yet, what, do we, what, do we, what happens to us? I can't tell you how many people we get to get a check from $28.32. $64.50. What's that all about? They don't want God to have one penny more than God's got coming to him. Now, is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. But you know what? I, I, I remember Donna saying something to somebody years ago, and it just still tickles me. Donna said, well, somebody, you know, somebody said, well, I can't give an offering. Uh, I, I, I give my tithes. And Donna said, well, you, you know, you're giving here like $10.50. Uh, why don't you just add another 50 cents and have 50 cent offering that you're giving to God and be blessed from the offering side? See, most of us folks, uh, we just don't understand how God operates. Most of us don't, don't have the focus. That's the reason that I've been so hard uh, to, uh, to the church and about the church, about this thing, about the, what the Lord God commanded us to do as a church. As a church, we are to be out here feeding the poor, giving water to those that bless God need water, coats to where they don't have coats, uh, visiting the sick, going to see the people in prison. That's the commission. God didn't say nothing about building big buildings. He didn't say nothing about, bless God, buying a preacher an airplane. He didn't say a thing, bless God, about, about uh, anything except what? The 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, the latter end of that, about where the sheep were going to be on that day in relationship to what was going to happen to the rest of the church called the goats. That's what he had to say. And yet we in the church, as I told you last night, the problem is until we can bring the church back, even to the base of the cross, and I think that's how far back we're going to have to go, and begin to bring to you the very absolute rudiments of God's Word and get you to begin to understand we missed the mark. As ministry, we sorely cheated you 
out of the things of God. We cheated you because we had our hearts and the expectations of our hearts turned toward the material, selfish things of this world to build in our kingdoms instead of the kingdom of God. And that's what we did. That's what we're doing. And bless God, somewhere along the line, we've got a generation of people, which we are, that's now faced with working the works of God as, the, as this earth hasn't seen for, bless God, 2,000 years or better. We're faced with that now. And bless God, we're running around trying to figure out why we can't be blessed. We're running around trying to figure out, well, why are we sick? We're running around trying to figure out, well, why are we broke all the time? Why is this going on? And why is that going on? And I've said over and over and over and over and over again, it's real simple. It's called sin. The promises of God work if you can find out how to work them. To accept the covenant is only the beginning. To adhere unto the covenant is the end of the fact. But in order to do that, as I told you last night, you, we, we can't be involved in the covenant and think God's going to bless us through the covenant if, bless God, we're on the phone two or three times a day. Well, now, I didn't like exactly what uh, Brother uh, such and such said about this. And I mean, well, I agreed with that. I didn't that. Now, now let me straighten all this out so you can understand. There is only one authority here this weekend. You're looking at him. If you don't like that, there's a the door. God didn't appoint me and you to be best buddies up here and, and take a vote on what we ought to be saying. No, he assigned that through fasting and prayer as I sought the face of God for this weekend for you. There is, you see, anything with two heads is a freak. It just can't be that way. The problem the charismatic movement brought to the church was we educated all of you by teaching you mostly the things of faith, which is very important, as I told you last night. I'm going to do a faith thing here one of these weekends. It's going to knock your socks off, and you're going to learn to live and understand how to live by faith. But the fact of it is, we got so much into that teaching, got into the he mostly the, the Greek, not so much the Hebrew uh, within it, and, and we got the people out there thinking they knew as much as the people up here did. Now listen to me closely. If that was the truth, then there's no need to have anybody in the Bemis. Why? Well, the Holy Ghost teach me, brother. Yes, but the Holy Ghost is going to teach you through holy men and holy women that have paid the price. Okay, not somebody with a figment of imagination that comes along thinking, oh, I know I've got revelation knowledge, this, that, and everything else. It, it doesn't work that way. So, so until we can go back and we can, uh, like I said, we, the, the biggest culprit in the church is sowing discord and judgment. It's the two biggest things. The lack of love. I'm, I'm going to put it down there about third place. It, actually, it's first, okay? But the thing with love, oh, we love, well, love them. Well, if you love them, why are you butchering them with the words that you speak? I'm going to do a thing here in one of these quarters about the heart and get you to understand that, folks, you get this monkeyed up, you can keep the covenant, you can stand on your head, turn in circles, and whistle Dixie every day, and it ain't going to change nothing in your life. This is what you've got to guard. This is what you've got to be sure doesn't get messed up. Well, it was their fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. God's looking upon the purpose and the intent of the heart. What is your saying today? Where's yours at today? We're going to try to have some deliverance here uh, this evening uh, about some of that. So uh, uh, help some of you out, bring some of you into maybe some depths that you've never been into with that. Let me, let me read the 18th verse. And, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon the Mount Sinai, two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone written, 
with the finger of God. That was, if you will, the covenant. And so he says, boys and girls, I'm going to lay down some rules. I'm going to lay down some laws here to govern us. You, you know the laws in which God wrote down, the Ten Commandments has two things that he purposed. One, to get us rightly related first to him. Two, to keep us rightly related with our brothers and sisters. That's what the covenant's all about. We have to have guidelines. Without guidelines, bless God, we don't have any purpose of where we're going. There's no, there is no guiding or rudder in a boat, a, a, a mechanism, to guide us to where we're trying to get to. We have to have a mechanism. Rules are the mechanism. I'll never forget when I first started, the first church we had was here, but it started in a small building across town. And I'll never forget this great statement that I made. This church, the first meeting we had, will be a church that bless God that will not have rules. Just that bold, too. I'm going to tell you something that come back and bit me in the behind so many times in the first month that it wasn't over. I remember one day, about 10 years down the road, I said, uh, somebody, one of the elders around, I said, we now have rule 263. And he looked at me and he began to laugh. He said, Brother Decker, that's not bad for uh, the man that we're going to have any rules at all. And I said, no. I said, I think that's about a half as many as we ought to have. You know what I'm saying? But you have to have rules. Because rules sets a guideline for us so that we know what we're doing right and we can judge that as to what we're doing right. When there's no rules, then bless God, we, we don't, we, well, to love, you know, love the Lord thy God. Well, yeah, well, of course I do. Bless God, what about, about the fact that you don't, uh, you don't bear, bear false witness against your neighbors? Well, you know, that happens. I mean, you, let's face it. We live, we live in a modern world. Yeah, we do, but he's still the same old God he was when he said, let there be light. See, and to try to comprehend the power of a being, a God, that could do what he did and what he does is incomprehensible at best. And yet we somehow, <laughs> and these, <laughs> these minds, the minds that God give us, try to come up with how this thing works. Let's go to Leviticus 26. I made my mind up today that I was going to let my fingers do a little quicker walking here, or we're going to have to hold this thing over... Uh, up till about Wednesday next week, and I know everybody's got to go home, okay? Um, we're going to do uh, Leviticus 26, and we're going to start here in the first verse. And, and again, he's going to say some things here. Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven images, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. Now, any time that he says that I am the Lord, your God, that is, that is, if you will, that is a, a seal of God himself. In other words, when he said, I am the Lord thy God, if you go back to the Hebrew, you'll find out that it is a signet. It sealed it. It will never be, that seal will never be taken off of it. Again, it would help if you could uh, read uh, Hebrew, uh, but the fact of it is, uh, that's the way it happened. But he said, I am the Lord your God. He went back and said, I am the Lord your God. After he said about the Sabbath, the third verse says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my, my commandments and do them, he said, if you do, 
He said, I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall, shall yield her fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely, and I will give you peace in the land. Now, now, if you're going to do what he says, you're going to have peace in the land, you're going to have rain in the season, and he says, and ye, sh and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of your land, neither shall the sword go through your land, no war. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. And I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. If you will do what I tell you to do, these things are going to happen. And you shall eat old store, and bring forth the old store, the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and be your God, and ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their, be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you to go upright. But if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if, if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my, my covenant, I will also do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, the burning ague, and shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, uh, for your enemies shall eat it. That's the opposite of blessings, isn't it? Before he says, if you do it, everything's going to be all right. And then all of a sudden, this picture changes. This great loving God that says, I'm going to do all this, now turns and says, look, if you're not going to do it, you better get ready because this, this stuff is going to come, it's going to come upon you. That's the reason that I say and have said for a long, long time that tomorrow morning, and tomorrow night in the churches across America, North America, around this world, are going to be full of people that bless God that have the symptoms and or are dying and or the things that are taking place that we're now reading about and we'll read on through here this morning. They're all there amongst us. Now, folks, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to bless God nor a great theologian to figure out the fact that something's wrong somewhere. See, that's the reason I kept saying if the 91st Psalm belongs to the church, where is it at? Why doesn't it work? Why didn't it work with Katrina? Why didn't it work with the great tsunami? And you've all heard me beat on that over and over again. But folks, those, those are only fair questions. Those, those, those aren't unfair questions. We kept saying, oh, the 91st Psalm, I bite under the shadow of the Almighty. There's no, no. And yet at the same time, we're sick. At the same time, all this stuff has come down upon us. And bless God, it's time, bless God, that some of us decided that we're tired of all that. We're tired of listening to this stuff. If God's God, let's see God. If God's not God, then bless God, let's, go, let's find some other way and let's find another God that can do something for us because perhaps this God we got went to the Bahamas to live and is no longer around here. And see, that's the cry that I have had for absolute 25 years now. Where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Where is the power of God's anointing in these services? Why is it that we're not seeing the sick revived? Why is it that the diseased 
aren't leaving. Why aren't the blind seeing anymore and the lame walking? Well, and then we got about 55 different uh, reasons. Could it be that we left the covenant? Could it be that we broke the covenant? Could it be that, bless God, we're walking outside of God's promises? And could it be that this loving God that said, all this I'll give to you and, and uh, everything you can imagine and even more, the God that's now turned around and said, and if you will not keep my covenant, I shall bring your enemies upon you and destroy you from this land. You say, well, 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 wait a minute. Is he a little schizophrenic? No, no. No, no, he's God. You see, what God says, God means. The difference between me and you and God is real simple. We say a lot of things we think we mean, but uh, in about 24 hours, we don't seem to mean it anymore. Right? We get ourselves in this place that, oh, God, you know, I'm going to do this, and God, I'm going to do that, and then circumstances come. Huh? What's the Bible said? Persecution arises for the Word's sake, and immediately the Word that was sown is now stolen. Huh? It's just all in the book. We think that we're so educated and so smart about the things of God that we have lost everything that God has for us because of our stupidity of our own flesh. Well, I go to the Church of the First Righteous, brother. They're teaching all the right things down there. Bless God, we, we know how to blow the shofar down there. We know, bless God, how to do the Jericho March. And we even know three of the Jewish dances that the Orthodox do. Whoop-dee-doo, right? Excites me. Let's see the, let's see the, the let's see the, the blind see. Let's watch the deaf as they hear. Let's see God do something. Christ said, look, He said, if you can't believe me for the word, believe me for the, believe me for the miracles. Signs and wonders follow the word. We're preaching the word, no signs and wonders. There's something wrong. And that's the reason I bring the task to the church and, and back to the church in the corner and said, we want the answers! We demand the answers! You told us that it would work. It doesn't work. Now, what do we do now? You'd be surprised, the people that I talk to in a month's time. Well, you, you people are a little strange. I said, no, we're, we're real peculiar, as a matter of fact. Real peculiar. I said, I'm probably the most peculiar person I know. But I've been this way all my life. I didn't become peculiar last week or last month or last year. I am peculiar. But I belong to Him, and if we belong to Him, we are peculiar. And God said, I will bless you and set you upon high upon over all the nations of this earth. Folks, this is a generation. By the time that we take this thing to Israel, we will be in place and when we are Israel together, the world will look upon us. They will send their scholars to us. Why is it? Why and how could it be that this group that was scattered, that was lost, that's come together, why is it that they speak and God hears and adheres to what they say? And you're going to say, sit down here and let me tell you why. It's because we found out there was a covenant. We found out the church sold us a bag of rocks a long time ago. We all got d d concerned because it didn't work. So we decided, God, we're going to cry out to you that you come rain righteous down on us. 
And I'm going to tell you something, that doesn't make you any different than Martin Luther, John Wesley, and his brother, or anybody else that's ever been on the face of this earth. When you come forth, God comes forth. And if you don't come forth, God is not going to do squat. When you put a demand upon the Word of God, the Word of God works, if you're lined up with the Word. See, uh, we went, uh, you know, I get uh, emails. Well, Brother Decker, you know, I kept Sabbath, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I just don't you know, I just don't understand. Things just haven't worked out for me, Brother Decker. This has happened, that's happened, all this has happened, all this over there. And I said, that's God's fault? You know what we do, which is one of the, probably one of the greater detriments that, that we do to ourselves? It's everybody's fault but mine. Well, it's a preacher's fault now. Whoa, you're No, no, you've had access to the throne room all this time. Now, truthfully, the fact of it is, now God's just pushing our buttons, okay? But the fact of the matter is, it's never everybody else's fault. The only fault it can be, in my case, is me and mine. You see? You and yours. And when we get down to the point of beginning to realize that, bless God, we're the biggest, we're the biggest problem we've got. It isn't darkness that I've said over and over again. God put darkness under our feet. So the devil's not our problem. So if the devil's not the problem, who's the problem? You're looking at, in my case, you're looking at me. You look in the mirror, you'll see you, and you're your biggest problem. It's not because, well, the way I got treated when I was a child, or the church I was in, they didn't let me. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. God is never late. God is on time every time. Amen? He's on time every time. And so, as we, and, and he says, in the sixth verse, he said, and I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down. I gave that, didn't I? And, and seven, did I give that? Yeah, I give that. I'm down to what? Nine? For I will have respect unto you, and make, your, make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. I gave that. And you shall eat old. I gave that. Somebody, where are we at? Thirteen. Well, I didn't miss it, but five or six verses, folks. Seventeen? Dear God in heaven, where was I at? I'm glad somebody's paying attention there. You know, I have been in crowds and I say that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I told somebody the story this morning. I was, I'd been somewhere and I'd been to, an old, uh, to a Pentecostal church and there's only about 40 people or so in it. I, yeah, I hadn't preached very much and, and, and I got done and, and I said, I said, now everybody here that got something out of this and love the Lord applaud. And one old boy sat in the back and he went. I thought, boy, we did well here tonight, Lord. A lot of water went under the bridge since those days. But let me tell you something. The fact of the matter is, God's Word is life unto those that can find it. See, and somehow, we, and somehow we think that all the revelation knowledge of this Word has opened up to us because we became Christians and we went to church. But the fact of the matter is, that's just not the truth. Now, um, now you say, I've, I'm at 17. And I will set my face against you, thank you once again, and you shall be slain before your enemies that, 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 that hate you, reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. In other words, he says, now this is going to come, and he said, if you can't get the idea from this, he said, that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to punish you seven more times. Now listen, he goes on to say, uh, he said, and I will break the pride of your power. Now let me, let me tell you prophetically, that's the United States of America. That's what's happening right now 
at this moment in the United States, God is breaking the pride of the power of the greatest and most powerful nation on the face of this earth. And I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield or increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Now that's coming for lots and lots of reasons. When I was in California, I prophesied that they were going to begin to have problems out there with a type of mildew uh, and uh, something else of which... Uh, 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 yes, the spinach was the crop that started out with, and then it got into, uh, so they had another big problem with some of the fruit, now they got a problem with the grapes, and uh, the other day I, I, was, I had the TV on, they talked about they're having another problem uh, with the, some other the fruit that's out there. Uh, it's going it's to keep going dwindling downhill. Why? Because, folks, after so long, after so many generations, when the thing has got to such a mess where, God, can you, ima can you imagine what God must think when he looks down at the church today? These people, do they, do, does he think they love him? Of course he thinks they love him, love him. But can you imagine what he must feel like looking down and then looking back across the, the annals of time and, and, and these jugheads come along and saying, well, now, you know, we're, we're now the new covenant people and, and the old covenant's been done away with and, and this new thing has come because of what Paul said. Well, you know, it's kind of like I said, when we get to heaven, Paul's going to punch some of them in the mouth. I'm, I'm here to tell you, Paul wasn't that nice of an old boy anyway. Uh, his personality doesn't show through real well, uh, but you've got, to read, you've got to really read and study Paul to find out. Paul was a pretty tough old boy. And the fact of it was, uh, Paul uh, was, not, was not on that side of the fence that, that somehow the church decided he was on. And again, uh, I can simply say as a Jew, the problem was, that they weren't Jews that did all this. You understand what I'm saying? There was no Jews involved in, bless God, what Paul said. That was all done by well-meaning preachers that thought that they knew something, and all they did, well, that's what it says. Honey, you've got to know what God is doing. You've got to know the culture. You've got to know the time. You've got to know what was taking place. Suffer not women to speak in services. And we have sex today that will not let women in the pulpit at all. Won't even let them teach in a Sunday school class because of what Paul said. And, and folks, that wasn't at all what Paul said. That wasn't at all what Paul meant by any of that. They were having a problem. Those letters were written to the churches that was giving him a pain in the rump only, okay? And he was writing back to them saying, look, if I have to come there again, I'm going to come with a rod of iron. Now, does that sound nice? No, that didn't sound a bit nice. But he was trying to straighten them out in the problems that they had and not setting doctrine for a church within this century and the century and two before this as to the way that no women could speak in, in any of the church services. Yet we did that, and then we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? So you see the, rest, the, the misrepresentation of men trying to interpret things. Again, how can it be interpreted? You know, that these things were inspired and written, the Bible says, by men full of the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Holy Ghost. But it didn't say a cockeyed thing, love that word cockeyed, about, as a matter of fact, these jugheads in Rome that weren't full of the Holy Ghost that decided to take all of these thousands upon thousands of writings and say, we'll use this one over here. Yes, we'll use this one over here. Did they pray about it? I doubt it. Could they have been led? Impossible because they didn't have the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. So what did we get? Your guess is good as mine. Did we get Scripture? Yeah, we got it. Was there more to be got? A whole lot more to be gotten. 
So don't put your trust so much in the boys in Rome, okay? You put your trust in the things of God because that's what's going to bring us through. Now, he says in the 21st verse, and if you walk contrary to me and will not hearken to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number and your highways be desolate. And if you will not reform, be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. Man, and I will bring a sword upon you that, that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. Uh-oh going to settle whether his covenant's right or wrong, isn't he? That's strong, folks. Underline it. He says again, he says, and I will bring a sword among you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. Do you know that sword is coming upon the land of America to, to absolutely avenge the quarrel of his covenant? That's what's going on here. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you. Isn't that what's going on in America? And ye shall be delivered under the hand of, of the enemy. And didn't I just prophesy here a few weeks ago that the Lord said you prophesied to America, that America has now been surrounded by her enemies? Spiritually, we have been surrounded. Physically, we know they're down in, in, uh, in bless God, in Central America. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your, your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you. And, and also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. Boy, cannibalism. He said, oh, that can never happen. Look at me. Yes, it will happen here in America. People say, oh, no, 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 you've gone too far now, prophet. No, I haven't gone far enough yet. But they will eat their children in America. You said that? No. Yeah, why? God's going to settle the core of the covenant. He's going to settle this thing, folks. He is going to settle this thing once and for all. For he has pleaded. He's brought the prophets. The prophets have screamed and, and hollered and kicked. And you stoned the prophets verbally. You cast us out and you cast us aside because you didn't like what we said and how we said it and how brash that we are. Live with it and learn to love it. For we are the key to your survival. Whether you want to believe it or you want to accept it, that's your problem. But we are. And if they would have listened to the prophets way back when, I thank God, I used to think it was terrible 25 years ago being treated the way I kept being treated around this. I'd go preach places, and bless God, they'd never have me come back. But when I was there, and when I'd go out the door, people would say, we've never seen the like of the anointing come. And yet they never had me come back. The blind saw, the lame walked, the deaf heard. The legs grew that were short. The disease were set free. I said, what is it? What's, what, what's this all about? You know what it was about? The church didn't want anybody standing and pointing a finger at it and saying, you're wrong, church! They didn't want it. They wouldn't tolerate it. And the way to do it is just flat, ignore the fact that maybe I'd go away. I'm back! 
Okay? I'm back. They don't like it any better. Probably like, they, they, they like it less now than they did before. It might have been better off if they just left me alone before. But I've come back because I've come back to help the Lord God to settle this quarrel of the covenant. I've come back. You have come. Come on, my friend! And you're coming. What looks to be small, even the first time we met here with 27 people, I said, it will grow. It will fill this room. It will get too big for this room. It's growing, and it's going to keep growing. Why? Because it's time. It's time that God's covenant people come forth. It's time for those of us that wandered, wandered, wandered the deserts and the 40 years of our forefathers are now coming back home for our portion of the covenant. It's always been ours. We just didn't know it. Can you imagine provoking Judah to jealousy? Oh, you think you're not like now? <laughs> you, you just wait. You just wait. So, oh, what? what you, we're keeping Shabbat. Yes, we keep Shabbat. You keep Shabbat. Oh yeah, you're, you're not. Uh, oh yeah, we we have Yeshua. <laughs> Once you come to one of our meetings, there's a lot of blind people seeing this weekend in our meetings. The blind see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, God does that for His covenant people. He says, there's no sickness will be among my people. What God can make such a promise as that? And yet, somehow, we in the church believe that He made that promise, but somehow, it was just to them during a time and a season. No, no, it's still here today. There will come a time when there will be no sick amongst us. People say, why? Because we're children of the covenant. God made an everlasting covenant, not a covenant that just began, began with, with, with what God said about the rainbow in the sky with Noah, or to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, or even to Moses and the children. But the covenant that He made that was everlasting from generation to generation. Listen as, we, as this accumulates. He walks through this thing and He keeps going on and on and on and and he, and he talks about, he talks about, bless God, in the 30 verse says, I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of the idols, and my soul shall before you. I will make your cities waste and bring your, your sanctuaries into desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. He said, I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out the sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbath as long as it lieth desolate, and be ye in, her, be ye in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbath. As I told you last night, the land of America will enter into its Sabbath. It will enter into it. That, that, you know, that's the reason, again, that Folks, we, there's a lot of things that's going to have to happen. There's a lot, not only these teachings, but just the teachings on survival. And I adjure you, if you're not putting up food, seek the face of God and begin to put food up. Begin to understand we're going to go through some times that this world has never seen. America has never seen. America thinks there was something to go through the, the Great Depression that happened here in, what was that, the late 20s, uh, early 30s? 
But let me tell you something. That's not a drop in a hat. That, 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 that was like a, a picnic compared to what we're, we're facing. And we're facing it in the, in the very near, near future. He goes on to say, um, through all this, the 40th verse, he says, If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, which their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and they also, uh, they have walked contrary to me. Now, I want you to understand that they'll confess then their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers. You remember when Daniel went before the Lord and he, and he prayed? He said, God, forgive Israel for their iniquity, their sin. Now, there's a key to this. Our forefathers have sinned. They kept not the covenant. So when we properly put this thing together uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about, bless God, asking the Lord God to forgive us of our sin for not, not keeping covenant, and also to forgive the sins of our forefathers that they kept not covenant. All right? So, uh, so we, so we will enter into that. Now, uh, let's see, there's a, uh, and the 41 says, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. Uh, if then the uncircumcised hearts be humbled and that they accept the punishment of their iniquity. Now, that's important to understand the last of that. You're going to have to repent and, you, and, and bless God, you're going to have to make sure that your hearts are humble. And then you're going to have to accept the punishment uh, uh, for the sin. And see, again, the, the church never wants to hear this kind of talk because this scares the church. There is price to pay for sin. You're forgiven for the sin, but you're still going to pay the price for sin. The reason most of us that have gotten into this movement right now, the reason that you don't seem to be being blessed like you think you ought to be blessed and saying, well, I'm doing all this thing right, you don't understand you are going to still have to pay the price for that sin that you have sinned. Now, how long will that take? Well, I don't know. That's, between, that's with God. But the fact of it is, His mercies, His mercies, the, the, the key is to, is to hang on. Because let me, t let me tell you why. God is continuous, I said here, looking at our hearts. He's continually seeing what our hearts are saying and what our hearts are doing. Now, if you're just keeping the covenant to be healthy, if that's all you're keeping the covenant for, your heart's not right. And he sees that. So if, if in fact, the sin, and he said, well, you know, they're going to pay that sin, and that sin for the forefathers there, and this sin here, this is going to have to be paid. Now, folks, this is deep. Some of you got your Holy Ghost wading shoes on, I hope, because boots, because this is going to get deep here, but hang on. He says, well, if, if that's what's going on, then you see they're going to fall away because their hearts aren't right. The motive of the heart isn't right because all they're wanting is to be healed. See, that's not what the covenant is about. The covenant is about pleasing. The covenant is about keeping Him smiling upon us. Whether you live or you die, and I said last night, uh, Paul made it very, very clear, we belong unto Him. So what makes the difference? Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember...